0: Welcome to Understand Suicide, the podcast of journalist and therapist Paula Fontanelli. Since her father's suicide in 2005, Paula has dedicated her life to breaking the silence around this most stigmatized of subjects. Her book, Understanding Suicide: Living with Loss, Paths to Prevention, was nominated for the National Book Award in Brazil, and the English edition is now available on Amazon.
1: Today we have a unique podcast because instead of me interviewing, I'm actually publishing my own interview to Cynthia Boyd on her podcast, Our Collaboration Station, which is a space for people to connect and encourage one another to pursue their goals and obtain peace in life. And the way to do that is by telling stories. Cynthia contacted me after listening to my podcast. In the following interview, we covered quite a range of topics. She asked me about youth suicide, its causes, the impact of social media, and why it has been rising in the United States. We also talked about warning signs and what to do if you know someone is at risk for suicide, especially how to listen to them. Cynthia's podcast, our collaboration station, can be found on Anchor.fm and Spotify. If you find that you could be a guest on her podcast, send her a message to mywritingsinthesand at gmail.com.
2: and begin. Hello, Good. hello, hello, everybody. Thanks so much for joining our collaboration station. This is Cynthia, and I hope everybody's doing well. If you are a veteran listener, thanks for returning. And if you are a new listener, thanks so much for connecting with us again today. So today we have a very special guest, Paula Fontanelli. Hello. Thank you so much. Um, How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fine, yes. Uh, We have a bit of a time difference, so I actually woke up not very long ago.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. It's a pretty uh, healthy time difference by three hours. I'm about halfway through my day. Yeah, the
1: day is just starting, but it's starting really well.
2: Right. Well, that's (laughs) very good. Thank you so much for for getting up and joining us. Definitely glad to have you here. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about you, so Mm -hmm. I'll share a little bit. First of all, her website is called... um, understanding suicide. So it's www.understandingsuicide.com. Is that correct, Paula?
1: It's understand suicide. Okay, great,
2: great. Let me change that really quickly. So let me Mm -hmm. re-say that for you all. It's Mm -hmm. www.understandsuicide.com. And I ask that you please take a note of that as it could be a very valuable resource for some of you um, who are out there or someone that you feel might benefit from it. So uh, Paula is joining us remotely from Portland, Oregon. Um, She's a psychoanalyst who's finishing her master's in counseling. She's also an author, which is great, and her book is titled, you go ahead and say that title for us, please.
1: Yes, now it's understanding. <laughs> understanding, <laughs> understanding suicide. suicide <laughs> living with loss,
2: okay, okay. to
1: prevention. And you can find it on Amazon.
2: Excellent, excellent. Now, I feel, I feel like I was reading somewhere. Is it both in Spanish and English um, versions? <clears> oh, <throat>
1: well, actually, it's the book is in Portuguese, the okay. first edition. The mm-hmm. second edition was also in English. So okay. The, Yeah, the one that you can find on Amazon is in English.
2: Excellent. So there are certainly options available out there. Now, someone very close to Paula ended their life through suicide. And since that point, she's been working um, on breaking the silence that surrounds the theme. So for more than a decade, she's been interviewing specialists, people who are at risk, um, you know, and their families or families who have lost loved ones. So she's able to draw from many experiences, therefore bringing a wealth of knowledge to this very sensitive topic. Um, She also has a podcast, and it's called... understand Understand suicide suicide. (laughs) with Paula Fontanelli thank you so much for that so thank you (laughs) I do want to jump into just a few questions here today um so please share just a bit about yourself outside of what we you know talked about here just a moment ago but share a bit about yourself and why you have a passion to spread the word about understanding suicide
1: Yes. Um, what First of all, Cynthia, thank you so much for helping us survivors. Absolutely. Because this is such a scary theme. I know that most people shy away from it from obvious, for obvious reasons. Right. It is quite scary, right. but it's so important to open this dialogue and talk about suicide. So thank you for giving me you, this space.
2: You are very welcome and I appreciate you. Yes. And just so your
1: listeners uh, understand, The reason why I became very passionate about this was because my father killed himself in 2005. And as it usually happens with families who go through this uh, experience, we have so many questions after that happens, and there's so much guilt involved, even though even when you're not, you don't feel guilty about the death itself. There are so many things that just haunt you for so long. Uh, why didn't I do this? And what was I? In my case, was I a good daughter? Was mm-hmm. I present enough? And <clears throat> how come I didn't? I didn't see the signs. That could I have done some something differently? So okay. these are the questions that haunt uh, survivors for very long, and you not know, just not just family members, but anyone who has been touched by I suicide. <clears throat> so at the time, uh, I was in Brazil. I'm Brazilian, and I searched for answers and I was looking searching for books in Brazil. I couldn't find any books Mm -hmm. on Suicide. I mean that's that's how huge the stigma is right and how important it is to have resources because it really, really helps Mm -hmm. to understand that you're not alone, to understand some of the warning signs so you can help in the future. Right. Uh, so at the time, I couldn't find anything. So what I did was I, I bought many books from the U.S., from Australia, so most of them in English, because mm-hmm. fortunately I could speak English back then already. So I, I decided to write the book. That's why I wrote uh, the book, actually, because I knew that there were so many people going through what I was going through, what right. my family was going through. And I decided to write the book to help them.
2: I understand. I understand.
1: And since then it, it actually changed completely my life because I worked as a journalist mm-hmm. um, most of my life. And after that I became very interested in, in helping others. So I went through the training in psychoanalysis so I could have right. patients and, and especially in this area of suicide prevention and suicide grief. Mm-hmm. So I started and I became very passionate and now I'm finishing, as you just mentioned, In the beginning, I'm finishing my counseling degree, specializing in trauma treatment, Mm -hmm. which is also applied to not just PTSD and things like that. But suicide is a traumatic experience. So that's what I do now. So it it totally changed my life. I changed my profession and I became very focused on this.
2: Great, great. Um, So... I read one of your articles on your website, um, Why Do Kids Take Their Own Lives? Um, And the statistics that are listed there are quite alarming. So if you would please elaborate on some of the reasons as to why you think suicide rates for children in the U.S. are as high as they are.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there are many, many reasons. Suicide, you you can never just pinpoint one reason, but what research Mm -hmm. shows is that at least 50% of the suicides when it comes to kids, uh, their family uh, comes from family problems, family dynamics. Mm -hmm. It can be lack of communication. It can be neglect, could be some kind of abuse, physical, mental, emotional, uh, sexual abuse to substance use in the family history of mental illnesses so so all these are related to family dynamics but of course there are other factors as well one of them uh, is that kids are they are more especially teenagers they're more vulnerable to mental illness some of the mental illnesses they don't kick in until late teens and early 20s so we have to pay attention to that because sometimes we think it's just personality, oh, it's his personality or her personality. they're just being teenagers and things like that. But really watch out for, for symptoms, because it could be mental illness, not just behavioral problems. And also and the third one is, is, is I mean, it happens to all of us, and it's, it's not their fault at all. It's brain development. Their brains are not right. fully developed. And unfortunately right. the area of the brain that's still not developed is the area that actually helps you make decisions. So it's the prefrontal co- cortex which right. yeah which is where you moderate information, you weigh in pro- pros and cons, you use logic. Right. You can actually plan things ahead. So this area is not right. developed until you are t- you're 25 years old around that. Around that time. So, that's something to also be patient and be graceful to kids because yeah. uh, we hear this all the time oh, it's just a teenager thing. They're just trying to find their way and they're just defying parents. Or sometimes you think it's a personality trait and it's not. They, they, right. they have the emotional brain, the brain, uh, the, the emotional area of the brain yeah. is already developed. So, you see a lot of mood swings and things like that that are normal when you think about teenage years, but the logic part of the brain is not there fully developed. So just be patient and listen to them. That's very important.
2: I agree. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, that's why I was so attracted to the article that you had written about um, kids because I work specifically, you know, with them. And um, it is, it's it's a very sensitive subject for them. And I think that It's important. Everything that you're saying is is, um, something that everyone needs to hear. So even outside of that, what um, are some of the warning signs to look for in a person who might be pondering the thought of suicide?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, the warning signs uh, also, uh, there are many warning signs, but some of them are very similar when we think about depression symptoms. So they're very mm-hmm. si- similar to that. So you see someone becoming more isolated. They have more mood swings. They start not taking shower and not caring about their hygiene or their looks. Okay. Um, so these, uh, when you look at them, they, they can have more acute mood swings. They can start self-harming uh, or adopting risky behaviors or even becoming very interested in death-related things, for example, music, uh, movies right. about death. So that's something also. Difficulties concentrate in concentration. These are very... Uh, Their symptoms, when you look at depression, they're very similar, but there are some symptoms that you have to pay even closer attention. And why is that? Because it might signal that they have advanced to planning and nice. <clears throat> yeah it, it can be because suicide when we think about suicide it's a continuum you think about suicide it starts with thoughts and then it goes into ideation I and mean, you can't stop thinking about it and then into attempt and conclusion so when you think about this continuum and warning signs if for example they have really planned they have really made the decision to take their own lives, they will start talking in the past tense. So if you talk about the future, and this is something that we observed, of course, in, unfortunately, in retrospect well, with my dad, is that they will not talk about the future anymore, even in, in small things. For example, my dad, uh, he visited my sister one day before his death. And during, the, and during that week, I was not in Brazil at the time. I was on vacation. I was actually here in the U.S. on, the, okay. on vacation. And my sister kept talking to him about me coming back that week. And my, my dad always picked us up at the airport. He had this uh, habit. And Some reason that he (laughs) never understood, he loved going to Uh airports. (laughs) And my sister would ask him, Are you coming? Are you going to pick her up? And he would go to the past. He wouldn't even answer. He would say things Uh like, Well, wow, Paula, yeah, I remember this trip we did together. And this is a very, uh, it's something that you can actually observe very easily. So they, and why is that? Why don't they speak about the future anymore? Because in their minds, they will not have a future. They know that because the planning is so advanced. So that's something very typical of someone who has planned in advance their suicide and they have really made the decision. Okay. They also be, they become very nostalgic. They talk about the past all the time. They give away possessions, even if they're symbolic or emotionally um, led and... and There is some kind of emotion attached to the possession. They will give everything away Mm -hmm. because they're they're actually getting ready to leave. So just keep that in mind. If they're getting ready to leave, what do you do? So you get your finances organized, for example. All the practical things. My dad did that too. A few months before he died, he called me one day. He was having a lot of financial problems at the time. And I was trying to help him out because I'm quite organized financially. And every yes. almost every week we would get together and look at his bills and see how you know we could arrange that. And I remember he said, Paula, can, uh, can you give me your I need your documents. Uh, I would like for us to open a, a joint account. And at the time, I didn't think any of it. So, yeah, sure. Right. I was helping him. So I said, yeah, I will make things easier, actually. So we did that. But I think now in retrospect, I think it was one of the ways that he was actually taking care of these practical things and organizing finances because once he was I dead, I could get the money out of the bank account.
2: Yes, okay.
1: So that's something else. I mean, they will they will give away possessions. They will, they will not talk about the future anymore. And the other thing also is to say goodbye. That's very common too. They start calling friends that they haven't talked to for a long time. They will call even family uh, members they haven't talked to. It's their way of saying goodbye. And this actually happened to me. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, then I already knew about suicide. I had already published the book in Brazil and I had a friend of mine call me once and she started talking and I could so clearly see that she was saying goodbye. She was talking about the moments we had shared. And I immediately, what I did is what we are supposed to do in moments like this, is to ask very straightforwardly. I said, listen, are you calling to say goodbye? Are you thinking about taking your life? And she burst out into tears. And she actually had everything planned. Yeah, she had everything planned for that week so i fortunately i ma- i i managed to change her mind i talked to her for very long and i asked her to just come with me to the doctor because i did think that in her case it was chronic depression that she right. was not treating so i took her to the doctor and she's still alive so that's that's what we need to do is Just face it very
2: Yes, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing that you were there for her.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, but I, I always think about what, what if I didn't know, right? And, yes. and, and I didn't with my dad. So, it's so That's why I say it's so important to have information. If you want more information about suicide, my book is now available on Amazon, both in paperback and digital formats. Just type in the title, Understanding Suicide or My Name, Paula Fontanelli. The book was written for people like you, and it's the result of more than 10 years of conversations with families who lost loved ones to suicide, individuals who attempted suicide, specialists, and mental health professionals. Thank you for your support. Now back to the interview.
2: Right. Well, that's very, I'm so glad you were able to put those things out there because a lot of them, you know, even just speaking from personal experience, I I wouldn't have thought that, you know, I wouldn't have thought many of those. And I'm sure there are people who could attest to the same. Of course.
1: You yeah. Know, you they, think, well, the show, she misses me. We haven't talked in a while. And you right. don't pay attention to these uh, verbal cues.
2: Right. Thank you for that. So tell me this. How do you feel about social media? Um, how do you feel social media has played a role in the decision of a child or an adult to move forward towards the unfortunate conclusion of suicide?
1: I'm very glad you asked about social media, Cynthia, because that's you know, it, it's, it's a new thing. And of course, there's so yes. much research being done right now and some some of the results are already out there. Well, first of all, <clears throat> we can look at social media just as the bad guy. Yes. It is important. It's, it's out there. There's no way back from social media, especially for the new generations. And it's very important for them They improve communication through social media. It broadens the, the kids' network, too, and connections. Yes. It, it helps them develop new interests. So there is a lot of good in social media. But... The other side of the coin, and this is what research ha- is already showing us, is that it can have a very negative and destructive effect on kids. We, yes. s- we see now that kids are way more anxious than they used to be. There is even uh, a term for that. It's one of the things, one of the reasons for, for this anxiety is what they call FOMO. I don't know if you heard of
2: that. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah. that um, fear, of, um, yes, fear of missing yes. out?
1: And, yes, fear of missing out. And the thing is, it's not just kids, is it?
2: And Adults as well.
1: Yeah, it's all of us. I mean, we're always afraid mm-hmm. that if, we, if you don't look at your phone every single minute, you're missing right. on something. You're missing on kid on someone talking or a post on Facebook. So this has a very direct negative impact on their mental health. That's for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, mm-hmm. and what the sh- uh, there is a very good uh, research, and you can find that. All, all that I'm talking about, you can find on my website. So if you want to le- okay. take a look at all these studies, it's all there on the resources. Excellent. So uh, there is one very, I think it's the largest study that has been done with more than 500,000 kids between the ages of 13 and 18. And it's very much related to social media, and what they found was that the time that you spend online makes makes a huge difference. Yes. So kids who spend less than three hours, when you go over this three-hour um, time lapse, it increases in more than thirty, almost almost thirty-five percent the chance that the child or the teenager will have a suicide episode which can be like within that continuum that I told you about. Right. Uh, it Could right. be ideation, it could be thoughts, it could be attempt. So mm-hmm. there, is a, there is a direct link of, and it's just not social media, it's just the fact that you are hyper-connected right. and connected wow, for and- more than three hours a day. So there is a, a time, so when, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, try to control the time they spend right. online. Because although it may seem very harmless, it's not. Now Research already shows that. And also they have 13% more. They're more likely to have depressive symptoms as well. So it's all like most things in life, Cynthia. It's about balance you don't you can't isolate them them and take the phone away and say you're not using social media anymore because there is a a positive side side to social media and texting and all of that that's how they keep connected but the problem Mm -hmm. is when you when you start substituting a connect a facial connection a personal connection through your phone or through any of the screens that you haven't used so it's all about Mm -hmm. balance
2: absolutely that's a great word that's a great word and, and people who know me personally know that i am not the biggest fan of social media actually mm-hmm. really I I, guess I I am not i'm not either to be um, honest people you're right for years i mean for probably 15 20 years some of my closest friends have been saying you know you need to get on facebook you need to get on instagram and i'm like no i'm good but <laughs> being that I've now started my business and you know you can't go just post what you're doing in the newspaper Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. for people to see it immediately it's important that you know you're linked to social media so you're right it does have several pros to it but um, it's so unfortunate to hear those cons when it's linked to things like you know uh, potential suicide Mm -hmm, it just
1: is. In connecting I think the the number one problem is that people are really substituting connections, Have, going out, seeing friends, being out there, doing something else. People stop reading books. They stop even watching TV. Everything is on right. their phones right now. And, and it's, it's about I mean, how, how much of that, how much of your life are you missing? You're missing out on That's your true. real life because uh, let's be let's be honest sometimes you get into these black holes of not just social media but all, the online world is endless and you spend yes. hours and if someone asks you what have you done for the last 2 hours it's very hard to respond to that because you don't know <laughs> right it's just a, it's 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 about distraction and that's another thing too when you think about distraction is that people are not alone anymore they're not with their thoughts anymore. They're not taking time to reflect on their lives anymore. Boredom doesn't exist anymore because people get so yes. anxious. Just take, take their phone away and you see the anxiety on their faces. Right. So, right. I mean, it's not a problem. It's not a problem if it becomes a problem, but that's up to us to know. And it's very important for parents to realize that too, because it's easy to blame their kids and point fingers. But w- what are you modeling as a parent? That's very, that's very that's good. a that's question true. that you have to a- to answer yourself. I mean, what am I showing them? It's it's the same mm-hmm. thing with parents who say don't drink and they're alcoholics. That's true. So uh, it, it's about leading leading your life. I mean, lead live the life you lead the life you 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 talk about. If if that's important mm-hmm. to you, then do it yourself and. and so by example, right?
2: Right. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Um, so you have uh, a space in your article titled, Listen, Listen, Listen. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though this is one of the most important things a person can do. And I say that just speaking on um, something personal, to, personal to me, which is my business. I intentionally named it. Listen and Learn, Um, and it's Listen and Learn LLC in Kennesaw, Georgia, but I intentionally named it that so that when the children that I work with, when they come together and they're working on social skills in small groups, they are actually learning how to listen to their peers and respond appropriately to them. And it could be with if I'm in an individual session with a child I'm teaching that child how to listen and then respond and that's something that's extremely important for children at you know young ages as you said earlier the brain is still developing so um they you know are definitely in tune to many things and you can also teach them many things excuse me <clears throat> at that time so um, and it doesn't just apply to kids either. It's for adults as well. Like um, just as you and I are talking, you know, I'm listening into what you're saying, and I'm getting a, a, a general understanding of it, and I'm also learning from it too. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa. So it's great when you know adults can use that same listen concept into what it is that they are um, any conversations, you know, that they are having. So. I say all that to say, do you have any suggestions that you can pass along to someone listening now about how Mm -hmm. they can be a positive listening ear to someone Mm -hmm. who may be considering going this route of ending their life?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, you touched on a very important uh, issue within suicide because when you listen to someone say, I want to end my life because there are so many ways of saying they want to end their lives. they can say, I can't take this anymore. There are many verbal <clears> uh sentences that you can use or this doesn't mean anything life doesn't mean anything anymore to me so th- this is right. this is all related to suicide, but the main thing when it comes to listen to this to to listen to someone who is saying something like that is to not be judgmental that's yes. the main. Thing because we tend to give advice and we tend to make assumptions and to judge what they're saying. So it's very common that you hear from someone who, who said that, well, I don't, I don't talk to people because they don't understand. Right. And, and that's it's one of the reasons why I use the word understand suicide so much. Mm-hmm. So no right and wrongs. Don't say anything like, oh, this is wrong or this is right. The main right. thing to understand here is that suicide most of the times is not about dying. It's about unbearable pain. So the person is, what they actually want is a solution to their pain, is to be out of, to get rid of that pain. And right. the, the pain can come from many places. So if you say, oh, but that's not right? especially if there is a religious connotation, that's a sin. They know that. They know and believe me, they don't want to end their lives most of the times. They just want the pain to end. So don't be judgmental. Try to find out what the source of the pain is. Track that pain. Where does it come from and how can you help? These are the two most important things to keep in mind. And also, don't say things like... um, well, you have everything in life. Why would you do that? Or are going to hurt right. your kids? They know all that. Mm-hmm. And believe me, they don't want to inflict pain on anyone either. They want right. to be listened to and they want to be helped.
2: Wow. Thank you for that. Tell me this, and we'll, we'll start to wrap up here. Um, what are some resources that are out there for people to utilize who might be struggling with this
1: well, the first one I would say is the suicide hotline here in the U.S. And also if you speak Spanish, that can be used too. They actually have more than 100 languages. So it's one eight hundred two seven three 273 talk which would be eight five eight two five five. So one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. 273 8255 That's the number one, because... What they need the most, is, as I just said, is for someone to listen to them because they're so scared. And, and not many people are willing to hear that about suicide because, first of all, it scares them. They don't know what to do. And depending on who you are, uh, there is a liability worry too there. So, Correct. So if you're a teacher or even if you're a counselor, that's something that scares them because of liability. <laughs> So just make sure you sit in with their pain and you listen non-judgmentally. So in terms of resources, the hotline is a great one because these people are trained to do that. There is also the American Association for Suicide Prevention. That's a very good website, and there's a lot of resources there. And for there is uh, one population that I usually mention, the LGBTQ and okay. the Trevor project is, is actually dedicated to this population. So I think that's an important one, too. Yes. But if you go to my website, understandsuicide.com, there is an area there called resources. If you click there, you have resources for schools, for example, a lot of guidelines on how to prevent suicide in schools or aftermath of suicide. If it does happen... What to do, how to deal with kids, how to talk to them, how to keep the dialogue open. There are many manuals that you can download from my website. So if you go to my website and click on resources, you will find resources for parents, resources for kids or for schools and for people who are at risk
2: for suicide. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. I, again, Paula, I appreciate you uh, more than you know, again, because this is such a sensitive subject and I feel like, you know, just as a society, um, we have to start talking about it and talking about it like, um, you know, it's something that we want to um, you know, let people know. So I, I truly appreciate your time today.
1: Can I just add something, Cynthia? Yes, please. Just, I wanted to tell yeah. you to go ahead and open touched, the floor to whatever else
2: you wanted to say. <laughs> because
1: you just, <laughs> you just touched on something that's uh, very important because it's yes. a myth. It's the number one myth about suicide. Mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. that if you talk about it, you put suicide in their heads. If you right. talk about this, it, you will actually cause suicide or provoke suicide. That's a myth. It's the opposite. Uh-huh. It's the the fact that we can't talk about it and these people don't find someone to talk about right. that can actually uh, reinforce the idea of suicide. So talk about it without fear. You will not I put the so idea glad. in anyone's head if you talk about it.
2: Good. I am so glad you brought that up because I think that it scares so many people mm-hmm. and they don't want to address the topic. And so I'm so glad that you that you said that. Um, I think the more conversation that we can have, um, you know, the the better. It is so my hope, the better that this will um, become for others. So again, I want to open the floor up to you to just once more, I know we've said it multiple times, but once more, share your contact information from your website, your book, and um, anything else that you feel might be important to someone listening listening today.
1: Yes, Um, uh, my book, as you mentioned, is called Understanding Suicide. Living with Lost Pets to Prevention. And uh, I think you you mentioned this in the beginning. The book is very rich because I talk to so many people, people who attempted suicide, families who lost someone to suicide. So you have chapters on grief. You have chapters on how to identify warning signs, what the risk factors are associated to suicide. But you have many chapters too with specialists talking about suicide so i think it's a good resource thank you so much for your space thank cynthia and again for your for your guts to talk about it. <laughs>
2: oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's a heavy hitter topic, but I'm here for it. So I thank you all for listening. And, you know, as I always say, um, as we're opening up and, and um, publishing more and more episodes on our collaboration station, um, this is just another topic that is um, in line with what i talk about which is extending yourself to others so being that listening ear and in the hopes that we can all obtain our life's peace so the more we can open up communication and speak with one another the better this place will eventually be um paula fontanelli everyone thank you so much and i will chat with you all again on our next episode of our collaboration station
0: bye Bye bye-bye You've been listening to Understand Suicide, the podcast of journalist and therapist Paula Fontanelli. If you've been touched by suicide and believe your story might help others, please consider contacting Paula through her website, understandsuicide.com.